Welcome to the Empire Builders Podcast, teaching business owners the not-so-secret techniques that took famous businesses from mom-and-pop to major brands. Stephen Semple is a marketing consultant, story collector, and storyteller. I'm Stephen's sidekick and business partner, Dave Young. Before we get into today's episode, a word from our sponsor, which is, well, it's us. But we're highlighting ads we've written and produced for our clients. So here's one of those. Hi, I'm Jeff from Mother's Brewing Company in Springfield, Missouri, and this is my mother. He's such a good boy. Don't you just love those dimples? I could pinch those cheeks right now. I'm 55, Mom. I remember the day he told me he was going to start a brewery. I said, so not law school then. I mean, law school really opens up opportunities. You know, Mom... Mother's Brewing is kind of a big deal in these parts. My sister's boy went to law school, and now he works for a major corporation that does something with computers. I work with beer, Mom. People like beer way more than computers. And when you named your little brewery after me, Jeffrey, I couldn't have been prouder. Please don't call me Jeffrey on the radio. I mean, I would have been so proud of the law school thing, too, if you ever change your mind. Ten years of my life, Mom. I'm not going to change my mind. You're such a good boy. Do your mother proud and pick up mother's little helper, Midwest Coast IPA. Well, do my mother proud. Hey, mama, hey, mama, ma. Welcome to the Empire Builders Podcast. Dave Young here with Stephen Semple. And as usual, Stephen whispers the topic into my ear just before we start recording. And you got me. I'm stumped this time because you, you just said the word pods and nothing comes to mind other than are we talking about coffee pods? Or are we talking about... <sighs> Did you say pogs, like that game that kids used to play with the little cardboard circles? Remember those? I have no no idea where we're going here. I think of uh, 2001, the Space Odyssey, open the pod bay door. <laughs> well, you got the spelling right. P-O-D-S, pods, okay. but it stands for portable on-demand storage. Oh, yeah, the U-Haul things and the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pods is a really specific one. It's the one where they bring that box to you, you load it up, and then they take Uh it away to storage. Yeah. 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 So this idea was launched in 1998 by Peter Warhurst, and 10 years later, he sold that company for $450 million. Nice. Gotta love a good exit. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, when I heard that, I was like, there's an empire and this is worth paying attention to. And, you know, the storage industry is a huge industry. It's estimated the storage industry is a $67 billion industry. And the average house in America has 300,000 items and most people have a storage facility all full of stuff not worth keeping. Yeah. No, I've been there, done that. And we've all got stories that like we'd be ashamed to tell about storing things. That <laughs> yeah, like I can't believe shouldn't. I spent money to keep this. Yeah. <laughs> so Peter was an owner in a technology company and he got bought out. So at the age of 40, he has this bunch of money. And so okay. what he decides to do is buy a piece of land and build a storage facility. And he locates one in an affluent community in Florida that's walking distance from where he lives. And he thinks this is great. It's walking distance from where I live. I don't need a lot of staff. This would be a great way for me to do something and, and make some money. And, and Florida is a great market for storage because there's no basements. There's no basements right. in Florida, right? Because of a really low water table. So when he's buying the land, the guy selling it is this dude, Roy Courtney. And Roy ends up becoming a partner in the storage facility. So when Roy is selling in the land, learns what he's doing, he says, hey, I'd love to do this with you. So it took about 2 million bucks to build this facility. And before it was even finished, 
Peter was so convinced it was going to work great, he started to look for a second site. And mm. Clearwater, Florida is pretty dense population, so it's hard to find a two to three acre lot in a visible location away from the competition with the right zoning. Okay. So Peter's driving around with Roy and they cannot find another property. And Roy's talking about this other business that he has that does pickup of medical waste. Okay. And it hits yeah. Peter. Why do we do that for storage? What if Pick we your went, stuff up, yeah. What if we went to the home and picked it up? It would be like bringing the storage to the home. How is this different than hauling stuff away to the dump? You're just hauling it to a storage facility. So the question that started going through his head is, how can we do that? And he started researching it. He found no one else was doing it. Mm -hmm. And so this concept was instead of hauling to the dump, let's take it to storage. Simple in concept, but kind of complicated in execution. Sure. So first of all, he needed to make a good-looking container. And the most popular mini storage is 10 by 10. So he started with a 12 by 8 container. Right? Okay. Because 10 feet wide won't fit on a truck. Yeah. So he developed this weird-looking truck that comes along and can drop it off and pick it up. And, and there's several patents on the loading mechanism. And there's several patents on the building of the box. Because that was the things that were really unique. And it's a big investment. But... You can stack the boxes. So this is the other thing that clicked with him. So when you buy warehouse space, you mm -hmm. pay for the square footage. And there's but all this air. Yeah. So the sky is free. So you can stack these boxes. So he also made it so you can stack the boxes, right? And from a capital standpoint, the warehouses are rented, the trucks are leased, the containers had to be bought. Okay. Right? So he then, first of all, decided, okay, I'm going to go to my friends. I'm going to put some money in and I'm going to my friends and do a round of financing. And he raised about $7 million. And at first, he thought this would be small. Thought he'd need about 100 boxes. Right? <laughs> and he promoted this using cable television. One of the things he loved about cable television, as we know, you can target specific neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. You can take a city and cut it down into small things with cable television. And, and there was also a new channel coming out at the time, this 24-hour news channel, and they came to him and also gave him a great deal on the advertising. And he was also doing radio on the morning and afternoon commute. Okay. And here's what he never expected. He got calls off the very first ad. Mm. Very first ad, he got calls. Now, the other thing that surprised me, he also got calls from people who wanted to invest. <laughs> Oh, wow. Who like, okay. Yeah, who heard this idea and wanted to, like, is there franchise available? I want to buy this. So a year out, he immediately started doing franchises. First franchise was in Sarasota. But the funny thing is, he ran into some challenges. And in Florida, particularly, bumped against these municipal regulations complaining about the boxes. So if you park a truck in front of somebody's home, oh, yeah. you can do that. It's a truck. You put a box on somebody's driveway, it's a billboard. <laughs> so he had to deal with a whole bunch of municipalities to permit this because one of the most successful things happened is he would drop this box on somebody's driveway and everybody would see yeah. this thing and go, what the heck is this? And then they'd check it out. And they, they would might know check the it neighbor. Out. Yeah. Bingo. Bingo. And so 
Within six years, he had 295 locations. He was in 7,000 cities, 40 states. And again, he never expected this to take off this way. But there was three reasons why he thought it worked. First of all was, it was a new service that kind of landed in the middle. You had these full-service movers that mm-hmm. would move the stuff for you, and then you had truck rentals where you load the stuff up, took it somewhere, and unloaded it. And he felt like this kind of landed in the middle for people. Plus, it was very disruptive because the moving industry has a terrible reputation for how sure. they handle this stuff and all those other things. So he felt this was also very disruptive. But a big part was, look, you drop this thing on the driveway, and there's this huge billboard in a residential community. So much so, municipalities initially complained about it. Stay tuned. We're going to wrap up this story and tell you how to apply this lesson to your business right after this. Two words, lead flow. If you want to grow your business, lead flow is, well, not everything, but it sure can feel that way. You feel the need, the need for leads. And then there's the gnawing questions that plague you whenever you try to boost lead flow. Are you targeting the right customer? Are you saying the right things? Are you advertising in the right places? Are you spending too much or too little? And the ever-present, how can I best use social media? What if you could get those questions answered definitively in 90 minutes? You'd no longer feel the need for leads because now you'd know how to get them. That's what Empire Builders is offering you right now for free and with a guarantee to boot. Go to empirebuildersprogram.com, book a 90-minute Zoom meeting with the Empire Building Expert, and boom, questions answered, problems solved. We'll give you the real answers, guaranteed. Guaranteed. Yes, our famous no-pitching and no-bitching guarantee. First, we won't pitch you at all, seriously. If you want to work with us beyond our meeting, you'll have to explicitly ask about moving forward. And the bitchin' part? If you're not satisfied with the answers, say the word. And I'll pay you cold hard cash for your wasted time. No hard feelings. Now that's a guarantee. Look, empire builders take action. If lead flow is an issue for you, take action on it. Book your Zoom meeting at empirebuildersprogram.com. Let's pick up our story where we left off, and trust me, you haven't missed a thing. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, the reason I went straight to U-Haul when you mentioned this is that there was one in my neighborhood a couple weeks ago. Stephen, they had like 10 of these things in their driveway. Right. The U-Haul version of it. Yeah. I'm like, man, that's a lot of, of these storage things. I think the other thing is what he stumbled across was the headache of moving your stuff into a storage unit. Right. Nobody's got a vehicle. You have to go to a U-Haul place or someplace to rent a a truck or a van or something like that and then load it, load it quickly. That's the other part. And then unload it quickly so that you can get the rental truck back. These things, you put it in my driveway. Now I've got till, I don't know, how long do I have to load it up? I can schedule that, right? Yeah, because the other part is when you look at their model is everything stays in this pod for the length you have the pod. They don't care whether the pod's in your driveway or in the storage facility. Move it when you want it moved. And there's visibility in the neighborhood. How many times have we seen this with home services companies that when they're in an area with their nicely wrapped truck servicing the air conditioner, that they mm-hmm. get more sales in that area, right? Absolutely. It really does feed on itself. But the other reason why the business was successful is he allowed consumers to drag them in other unplanned directions. So for example... 
They had a customer asked if they could just store it on the driveway because they were doing a remodeling. Like, can you mm, just drop mm-hmm. it on the driveway? We're going to put stuff in it. When the remodeling's done, we're going to unload it. Then can you take it? And they're like, geez, we never thought about that application, but sure. Yeah. Right? But how many businesses would be like, well, that's not what we did? And they were like, sure. Another said, hey, we're moving to St. Petersburg. Can you just mm-hmm. drop it off on the driveway in our new location? And they're like, yeah. we never thought about that, but sure. We'll charge you this. And their people are like, yeah. Yeah, all they figured out is, okay, well, if we're going to do that, you know, and again, how many businesses would be like, well, you know, it's a bit of a pain in the neck. I got to send a truck to St. Petersburg. I'm amazed at the number of times I say to customers, like clients of ours, oh, gee, the customer's asking for this. I said, just give them a price. Yeah. Just give them a price. And if it's a real pain in the neck, give them a high price. You never know. They might write the check for it, but give them a price. Don't say no. Give them a price. So there was all sorts of other opportunities that opened up for them because they listened to their customer and they're prepared to do it the customer's way. 2006, they expanded Canada and Australia. They're doing $300 million in revenue. Here's one mm. of the other things that Peter learned. There's this real allure to franchising, right? It's easy. It removes the problem of managing people and locations. Mm-hmm. Here's what you discovered. Franchising is actually kind of hard because now you answer to franchisees. Yeah. They are constantly telling you, you need to do this. You need to do that. You're constantly under pressure from franchisees who always want more or always want to do things different or all of those Mm -hmm. other things. And he was quite frankly finding it a headache. And in 2008, 10 years after starting the business, our capita Mm -hmm. comes along and makes him an offer for $450 million to buy the company 10 years after starting. And he looked in and he said, you know, the early investors have been in this for 10 years and have had no return. And these franchisees are a pain. So Peter decided to sell and time to retire. Now, the funny thing is he doesn't retire. He starts another company called Red Rover, and we're going to do an episode on Red Rover. It's also interesting to note when you read the book, Pour Your Heart Into It by Howard Schultz, you know, one of the early people in Starbucks. He -hmm. also talks about some of the downsizing, the franchising, and why Starbucks didn't go that direction. But, you know, really neat business because I love how they discovered the idea. Like we're constantly talking about in this podcast, look to other spaces for ideas and they're driving around looking for property. And his buddy is talking about this medical waste business. And he goes, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold on a second. Why can't we do that? Right? Mm -hmm. And looking at the power of those boxes looking good and those being billboards in the neighborhood and how we you know, creatively used radio and cable television to promote this. I think there's a lot of really cool things to learn there. I looked at this and went, man, this was right down our alley. Yeah, and some of that unintentional, like it doesn't sound like he pre-planned the idea of, I mean, sure, you'd want your name on these boxes so that they're identifiable, but it doesn't sound like that was part of the original strategy. It was just, oh, we'll bring a box and you put your stuff in it. And man, yeah, if your neighbors can see what's going on, perfect, perfect. Yeah, he thought he was going to be doing a hundred of these things and it would make great sense. And he wasn't thinking about franchising and he's like immediately getting people calling saying, hey, can we do a franchise? And some of this other ideas like actually using it as a moving service. Sure. But what I'm saying is what we're learning from him, he was not only open to this idea, he was open to things. Yeah. 
Yeah. I love it. I love it. I remember as a kid, you'd ride around neighborhoods and garage doors would be open and they had cars in them or they were empty. And <laughs> now you walk around my neighborhood here and if there's a garage door open, it's like, holy crap, they got a lot of stuff. And I think, yeah. well, hey, guess what? Guess what's not in my garage? Cars. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm one of those. I'm one of those people who I have a car in my garage because I just hate parking the car in the driveway. But man, if it wasn't for that, but I have to fight. I have to constantly fight to keep stuff out of the garage so I can park yeah. my car in the garage. It's an yeah. ongoing struggle. We've still got stuff in there from moving that's like, ah, oh, do we get rid of it? Do we sell it? Do we, ah, love to have my car in there. <laughs> <laughs> Don't it's permanently been... park a pod on the driveway. That's not the answer. No, <laughs> no. And, and, and the service is pricey too. I mean, it's, I don't know that we looked at the brand pods, but we looked at some of the competitors and it's like, because of the convenience of it, right? So you pay a premium for something that's easier. Yeah. Renting a big 36 foot truck and filling it yourself doesn't cost near as much as renting the equivalent number of those pods and having somebody pick them up and haul them to your new location. That's right. super expensive, but less stressful. You can fill them up at your own pace. Yep. You're not under this big pressure that, oh, the day you rent the truck and you've got, you know, three days to get it filled to your new location and emptied. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Exactly. And what we know is consumers will pay for something like that. And the other part was, you know, it was very innovative yeah. for the time. And Look, hats off. He saw a different industry, brought that idea over here, and then was also open to where consumers wanted to take them. And you know what? He ended up building a business in 10 years that was worth you know almost a half a billion dollars. Nice. Yeah. I love stories like this, Stephen, where you come into an old, tired industry that's been exactly the same for, gosh, how long? The only innovation that happened before pods was U-Haul saying, hey, why don't you just drive your own truck and load it yourself? Before that, it was you hire a moving company or you better know some guys with trucks. That's exactly it. right. Yeah. Exactly right. Cool story. Thanks, Stephen. Awesome. Thanks, David. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Please share us, subscribe on your favorite podcast app, and leave us a big, fat, juicy five-star rating and review. And if you have any questions about this or any other podcast episode, email to questions at theempirebuilderspodcast.com.